So we are on the bottom, I think we're on the bottom of 71b of Ayin Aleph um, base, right? And the Gemara is up to Me'il Shnei Master. So we said that the robe is 12 different strands, right? The, the threads are 12 different strands. Minalan, how do we know? Because it is written in the Torah, and you shall make the Me'il Ha'ephod, right? The robe of the Ephod, which is like on the, of the apron. And turning the page now, 72a. Khalil Tchelas. It should be all made out of Tchelas, right? The royal blue. The Yalif Tchelas Tchelas be Perechas. And we derive Tchelas from Perochas. We say that by the Perochas, by the by the curtain, it has Tchelas. And over here it has Tchelas. Malahalan Shisha Afkan Shisha. So just like over there, when it says six, it means when it says Tchelas, it meant six strings, six stranded thread. So to be here, when it says Tchelas, it means six stranded thread. Now, how does six go to go to become twelve? Well, it says Khalil, and Khalil implies that it's doubled over. Since it's doubled over, you end up with a total of 12. The Gemara asks, maybe we should derive how many threads. Rather, instead of deriving from the laws of the, um, of the progress of the curtain, rather derive from the number of strands in the threads on the Shulav and the Rimona, which are the decorative elements on the bottom of the Me'il, bottom of the rope, right? The, the pomegranate and the bells. Just like over there, there's eight eight um eight um, strands in the thread so to be heard there should be eight in the thread Gemara says done in cleanly clean we'd rather derive from one of the vessels in, involved in the base of mikdash ain't done in cleanly tashically rather than derive a vessel from a decorative of the vessel a decoration of the vessel Gemara says adaraba on the contrary done in cle done in um we should rather derive something from its own matter in other words let's learn out the law of the how many threads, how many strands go into the threads on the robe from the law of what something else is related to the robe, the law of the pomegranates. They ain't done in Gupamayama, but don't derive the law of how many how many threads go into the strands on the um, how many strands go into the thread on the on the robe from the law of how many strands go into the thread on the curtain. That's not the same cat, type of category. Gemara says, Amina, that is why we said the one of the times in which it says shesh, it's going to teach you the other garments about which it does not say shesh six, it is also included. And that means to say we include the robe in the six and then we double it over because it says kalio. We said that the brochas, the curtain, has 24 strands in the thread. Dalit dishisa, it has four in each of the in each of the six. Um, I'm sorry four different color threads, and each of those color threads have six different strands in the threads. Lodina, Lodina. This is not something that you need a, a question to be asked, and it's not something that you need a judge to help you determine it is so simple. Choshen ve'ephod, asr mishmona minolan. How do you know that the choshen and the ephod, the, the, um, the apron and the, the breastplate is made out of a total of 28? How do you know that? Birsivgis is written in the Torah, ve'asisa choshen mishpat, and you should make the breastplate of judgment it should be something that is done by a skilled worker. like the work of the apron, so shall you make it. it should be made out of gold, out of blue, out of argaman, royal purple, and a red thread, and linen that is finely spun. So what we have is arba, shisa, shisa, arba. Four different colors with six strands each. You end up with 24. Zav Arba, then you have four gold threads total. Then you end up with 28 total. So the Gemara says that the, it sounds like the gold threads are each only one strand total. Maybe the gold threads should also each be six, and then you'll end up with 30. 
Amar of Acha Bar Yaakov, Amar Kras, Rav Acha Yaakov says in the, in, uh, in quotes the Pasik, they cut sets and it shall be cut. Silim, seal, silim, arekandad. It says that when they're making the gold threads, they beat it into like these thin plates and then afterwards they cut it into these threads and it ends up with four because it says seal, silim. Ravashi Amar, Amar says that it shall be done to be made together with inside of the blue and inside of the purple, implying that there's a little bit of gold in each other material. How should this be done? Navid Arba de tray tray. You shall make the gold. One option will be to make the gold four times within each within um, Arba, total of four, and two in each one. Havilu Tamnia, then it would end up to be eight altogether, right? Because four times two is eight. Navid tray the tray tray, utray the chad chad. Maybe you should make it twice twofold and twice only one. That'll end up being six total. It says in the Pasik that you shall be made. You call is to teach you that all of the work in regards to this shall all be equal. Okay, so now we're we're not, we're finished talking about how many threads. Now we're talking about something else. If you actually uh, intentionally tear a big day kahuna, the garments that the kohanim will wear, guess what happens? You are loke. One gets malchus for doing so. You get lash. And never it's written lo yikarea. You shall not rip it. Perhaps this is what the Torah is going to teach us. Maybe all it's telling you is not that it's prohibited to rip it intentionally, but rather it is necessary to make a hem so that it does not get ripped. But not that you can't rip it intentionally. That's a different, maybe that's not included in the Pasuk. Does it say that so that it should not get torn, in which case maybe you would be right? It's not what it says. It says it is forbidden to tear. The, if someone is, takes the choshen, takes off the breastplate that contains under the, the stones off of the apron. And if someone takes out the bade of the arun, they get malchus. So we know what happened when we traveled in the desert. Each one of the, the kalim of the vessels in the base of Mikdash, right? The menorah and the table and the arun, right? The, the, the ark. All of these things were supposed to be portable. So they had these attachments, these poles that were attached that went through rings when you wanted to move it. The ones that went into the Aaron never left. Even after they settled permanently, they always kept those, those, uh, those beams or poles going through those rings so that it would continuously be portable even at a time when it was permanently settled to symbolize that the Torah will always travel with us, right? Now, if you remove those rods from those rings, you will get Malchus as well. Shinemar, as it is written in the Torah, Lo Yizach Belo Yasuru. You shall not remove the, the breastplate and you shall not remove the rings, the rods. Sorry. Maskip Lo Rav Achabayakab. Achabayakab asks the question to Dilma, Kika Amar. Perhaps when the Torah tells us, Kika Marachmana. Chadkinu Ba'avdinu Shapar. Perhaps all the Torah is saying is to attach them properly by putting these, um, the, the, the rods through the rings. Today, Shalo Yizach Belo Yasuru. That they should not have to be, not that they, sh they should not become removed and should not become loosened, right? But it's not telling you that there's a prohibition to actually do it. It's just telling you, ideally, what one should do is you should put it in in a way that they will not get removed. Does it ever say so that it should not get removed, so that it should not get loosened? It doesn't say that. So therefore, it's actually telling us a, a, um, an active prohibition from getting involved in intentionally removing it. Rami, Rami Sukhanina asks a contradiction. Say if it is written, in the rings of the Aaron, there of the ark shall be attached the poles. Layasurumimenu shall not be removed from it. Big seven is also written. And you shall put the bad of the poles into the rings. 
how is the soap? Misparkin Danish mutton. What what they do is like this. They would have the ends of the of the poles on the two ends were were thicker, right? Or um, a wider diameter, right? The wider diameter than the middle. The middle was narrower. So once you got stuck it through, then it would be able to be moved back and forth, but it wouldn't be able to come out that easily because it was tighter at the end, wider at the end. Tanya Nami Hachi, we learned in our bicycle this as well. The taba is in the in the rings of the ark shall be the poles. You might have thought you can't move them at all. Therefore, the Pasuk says, And you shall put the, the rings into, I'm sorry, the, the poles into the rings. If we would have said that you uh, you will put the rings into the poles, I'm sorry, you shall bring the ring, the poles. You might have thought to say, you could take them out and put them in at your leisure. In the rings of the, of the ark shall be the poles. How could this be? That they are movable, but they wouldn't be able to be slipped off fully. says, What is that which is written? It says in the Torah that when you make the boards, that the, the tabernacle, the, the tent would go over the boards, right? They would take the fabric and lay it down over these boards that are standing up. Of acacia wood. It says it should be standing, okay? So the Gemara is now going to give three different drashot, beautiful drashot. The third one especially is very timely at all times as Jews in exile. That the poles should be pointing towards the top. In other words, when you cut a tree down and you, you break it down into different beams, right? So the top of the tree is where the top of the beam should be when you're standing it up, right? This is clearly a symbolic gesture symbolizing something. Another thing, that they should be stood up together with the gold that is on top of it. The third thing is more famous. Perhaps what you would say is that, you know, the same way we go through exile and the temple is no longer here, that maybe, who knows, maybe they'll never go back up again. And maybe it's not going to come back again, right? And we'll get, uh, you know, our, our desires, our hopes will be frustrated. It says, Right, that they will be standing forever and ever. Uh, they're not standing, right? Obviously, they're not standing. The temple's been destroyed for a long time, right? Symbolically, it's still here. We have to recognize that. It says the big day hasrad, the service garments to serve in the holy. Not for the garments of the Kohanim, right? 72b, I am based on face, if not for the garments of the Kohanim. If not for the garments of the Kohanim, then there would not be left over of the haters of Israel, not even a little bit. There wouldn't be any, anybody remaining, anybody to escape. When we talk about haters of Israel, this is a euphemism referring to ourselves. In other words, what we're saying is that the garments of the Kohanim have helped us throughout the ages survive. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmini Amar, today Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmini says in the base measures of Rabbi Shimon, they used to teach. Right. What would happen is they would have these garments that they would have them. Basically, they would weave them on the loom in exactly in the shape that they're supposed to be for the garments. And then they would leave over a little bit of it, not fully finished on the loom. My, uh, my, on the loom. My he, what is this? This is referring to the right? Which means the that there would be something to be done about sewing it back onto the garment. Like that which you left off and didn't finish it fully on, on the loom, presumably because it's impossible, you would end up sewing it properly off the loom. Mesve, the Gemara asks a contradiction. 
Big day kahuna, ain't nice and nice and my samachat. You do not make the big day kahuna separately. You have to make the big day kahuna all in one fell swoop. It's not made as being uh, um, uh, sewn, but rather it's made as being woven. It's written, it has to be something that is woven. It's an action that's made through weaving. It is true that the vast majority and the primary part of the garment is always going to be made out of woven material. However, the base yad, the place where your hands go into, in other words, your sleeves, that can be made in thread and then attached. Get the tanya, we're going to the rice. Base yad shall big dekahuna, neregas with neatsma, nidbekas imabeget. The place where the sleeves go, that was actually woven on its own, and then it was attached together with its garment. Umagas ad pisasayat. And how far did the sleeve go? It reached those long sleeves, it reached all the way up to the wrist. Betzala made three different irenes, three different arcs. The middle one was made out of wood, tisha, and it was made out of, um, it was nine tefach tall. Penimi shalzav, the innermost part of the arc was made out of gold, shmona, it was made as eight tefach tall. Chitzon, the outer one, asara, it was ten, umashu, and a little bit more, and it was made out of gold also, okay? But Tanya, we learned in the Baisa, Echad Asaramashu, the Baisa says that it's more than 11, a little more than 11 Tfachim, not more than 10 Tfachim. One is going according to the Mandarma, it says that the thickness of the actual, um, the actual top layer of the gold was one Tfach. One is going according to the Mandarma, it says the thickness was less than a Tfach. If you say that the thickness of the top wall was a Tfach, then the total space was more than 11 Tfachim. When we say there's a little bit of extra, what are we referring to? Zer. Zer is, the, is uh, like some sort of a crown that was uh, you know, a rim around the Aaron, and we call it the Zer. There were three different crowns. One was on the Mizbeach, one was on the Aaron, one was on the Shulchan, these rims around them. The one on the altar, Aaron deserves it and he receives Shulchan. The table, right, which represents material sustenance. Zacha David So David got that and he received it. Shall Aaron, the one that is going around the Torah that is symbolic of something that it will belong to whoever gets it, whoever deserves it, a dayan munachu, it is still sitting in its place. Whoever wants to come take the crown of Torah is welcome to come take the crown of Torah. Shema maybe they'll say, it's, Oh, the reason why it's available for anybody is because nobody wants it. It's not worth that much. Therefore, the Torah tells us in, in Proverbs, in Mishle, that through the wisdom of the Teda, that is how the kings will reign. Okay? So very important point, two different important points that we've just learned in this past Amid related to the idea of the symbolism of the Mishkan that is still apparent in our world even today after Mishkan is no longer extant. One is that those, the, the walls will always be standing. The walls which symbolize the Jewish people will always be standing, no matter what sort of circumstances you go through, no matter what persecutions and oppressions, you will always be standing. The second thing is that the crown of the Torah is available for anybody who wishes to receive it. There is no uh, monopoly on that, and there is no bespoke where it's, it goes to only specific families. It's not true. Whoever wishes to receive the crown of Torah, they can jump for it and get it. So Rechon and Rami, Rechon asked the contradiction. Siv, Zarva, Karina, and Zir. It's, read, it's written in the Torah as Zar, stranger, and we read it as Zir, as like a crown. Zacha, if you deserve it, Nasus Zir, and it becomes like a crown for you. Loi Zacha, Zarahemenu. If you're not worthy of it, then it becomes alien to you, right? A stranger to you. Rabbi Echanan Rami, <coughs> Rabbi Echanan Rami, a different, a different uh, contradiction in verses. Siv, it's written, you shall make for yourself an Aaron out of wood. Siv, and it also says, you shall make an Aaron out of acacia wood. In one place it says that Moshe Rabbeinu should make the Aaron, in another place it says, and they shall make the Aaron. 
Mikan, from here we see that Talmud Chacham Shabnei, right? Matzuv and Lasi Slei Malachle. See from here that the members of a city are in, are in, instructed and commanded to take care of a Talmud Chacham. Okay. From the outside and from the inside, they shall be, the uh, penu shall be, um, uh, you know, the, the overlay, right? If you have a Talmud Chacham who is not genuine and he makes one facade, but reality is completely different on his inside, he is not a Talmud Chacham, no matter how much Torah he has learned. Nisav. He's not just called not a Tamachacham, he is called a Nisav, or someone who has gone completely um, corrupted, completely um, uh, adulterous. Uh, yeah, corrupted. I guess corrupted is the best word. it's written, Apki Nisav How much worse is somebody who is not, who is corrupted and Ne'elach and impure? Is Shaisa Kimayim Oila. A person who's able to drink um, uh, uh, like um, Avla, like um, iniquities, right? Like water. Kimayim. What is it that's written in the Mishlei? Where is there a price in the hands of a, of a seal, of a, of, um, of a fool? To buy uh, you know, knowledge. But he doesn't have any wisdom. He has no, uh, he has no understanding in his heart. Woe is to the people who hate Talmud Chachamim. That they were busy learning Torah, but they have no fear of heaven. Machros Rabbiyanai explains and says like this Woe is to him who does not have a darta, a, um, a place to hang out in, like a, a chatzar, right? A courtyard. But he makes a gateway for his courtyard that doesn't exist, right? So, in other words, somebody is busy saying the purpose of learning Torah is to reach a level of Yerush Shemayim, to reach a level of how we have awe of God and we are connected to God and we, and we have a purposeful mission that we are accomplishing in our lives. Well, if you're learning Torah, but you forgot the Yerush Shemayim part of it, it's like someone who built a beautiful fence around this courtyard that doesn't exist. Says if someone is going to learn Torah in this world, but without the proper intentions, He's going to end up with two different Gehennas, two different hells. What does this mean? So I think what this means is, right, Rashi explains basically this idea. We know that it, the, the Torah is only going to be nicknamed, will only be acquired by someone who is famous atzmei love, who kills himself for it, who lives on water and bread, right? Who lives a very frugal, a very austere lifestyle. That's the only way to acquire the Torah. But if somebody is trying to acquire the Torah, living a very austere lifestyle and not enjoying this world at all, but... He's doing it in a way that he's not going to fear Hashem. He's not going to end up with anything. So he's losing this world and he already lost the next world because he's not going to have any Torah. I'm going to be Shubhan Levi. What is that which is written? This is the Torah which Moshe has put down in front of B'nai Yisrael. Zacha, if you are meritorious. Nasus le'sam chaim, if it comes for you, the potion of life. Le'zacha, if you're not meritorious. Nasus le'sam miso, if it comes for you, the portion, the, the, um, the potion of death. This is what Rabbah said. The uman la. Right, the oyman law that if he uses it in the proper way, sama the chaya. The loyoman law, sama the mafsa. If he uses it properly, it is the potion of life. If he does not use the proper way, it's the potion of death. Amrav Shmuel bar Nachmeni, Rabbeinu Sarami, say, Pikudi Hashem Yisharim. It says that Pikudi Hashem, the, the laws of Hashem are Yisharim, are straight and just. The Samchei Lev, they rejoice in, the heart rejoices in them. Exhibit, it's also written, Amra Hashem Tarufa. The word of Hashem has been tested. Zacha, if you're meritorious, Misam Chasei. Then you will be happy, or they will make you happy. But if you are not going to be meritorious, then then it will try you. Rishlakish says, 
Actually, from the very verse itself, we can understand this. Zacha, if you're meritorious. Tarfase lechaim, it tests him into life. Lezacha, if you're not meritorious. Tarfase lemisa, then it tests him to death. Okay. So if you're not meritorious, then what's going to happen is you're going to have to go through sufferings, and it will end up destroying you. Yiras Hashem Tahira, the fear of the Lord is pure. A medes laad, it will last forever. Right? A beautiful idea that the there's nothing that can gainsay that. Right, the Yiras Shemayim will be there forever and ever. This is referring to someone who learns Torah in a state of purity. What does this mean? First he gets married and then afterwards he learns Torah. The Gemara tells us in Kedushin, the Gemara goes through this idea of when, when are you supposed to get married, when are you supposed to learn Torah, what order should it be in. The testimony of Hashem is Nemana, is true and sure. It is entrusted so as to testify to those who learned the Torah. The work of the person who is a, a skilled worksmanship and the work of the person who is a skilled um, uh, embroidery. What they would do is they would embroider over the area that they had actually first traced with paint. What they would be raking with is the needlework. Therefore, it's only one figure on both sides of the same figure. But the designer's work is made out of oirek, it's woven. So then on each side of the cloth, it actually has a different, a different um, um, figure. There's only certain people who you can ask for the umbatumim for the benefit of the king or the, um, or the high priest or someone who the tzibor is dependent on, community is dependent on. The Yasser of Dimi, of Dimi comes, he says, the garments in which the Kohen Gadol does service in, so to the one who is supposed to rile up the troops when they go out to war, the Kohen who has that special job and he's anointed for the battle, he should wear the same garments. As it's written, and the garments of Aaron should be for his sons after him. To those who are coming after him in greatness. And other people say, ask this question. I might have to say that even the son of the one who is anointed for battle, he also succeeds him if he's able to. The same way the son of the regular Kohen Gadol succeeds him afterwards if he is if he is possible and it's appropriate for him, he should be the first successor. Kohen Gadol, turning the page, the Kohen Gadol will, will serve underneath him. Therefore, the Pasuk says, Seven days, the son, who is the son of the Kohen, shall put them on in, this, in place. From the son of the one who goes into the Olimoy, the tenth of meeting, the Kohen Gadol. To the person who is able to go into the tenth of meeting. But if, if this is true, that the, the, um, the Kohen who is in charge of the battle, he also wears eight garments, then indeed he should take over. His son should take over because he's also able to go into the tenth of meeting. Anybody who the main purpose, the primary purpose of them being anointed is for them to serve in the tent of meaning, that is the person whose son will take over after. Yatzazedek excludes the one who is a Meshuach Machama, whose primary purpose is to be the one who is uh, in charge of anointed for battle. That the main purpose of his Meshuchas, of his uh, anointing is for battle. So therefore, his son does not take over after him, even if he does wear the eight garments of the coin battle. Okay. Take care, everyone. Be well. Good night.